Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, Matt Gates. Republican Florida will be on the program at the bottom of the hour, this hour. And he led uh, several, maybe a score or two, of Republican House members into the basement skiff room where the House Intelligence Committee under Chairman Adam Schiff has been running these closed-door hearings which is really quite shocking. Hearings in a skiff. And as Breitbart writes, led by House Judiciary Committee member Matt Gates, the Republican lawmakers attempted to enter the room where Schiff has been bringing current and former State Department officials to testify on whether President Trump withheld military aid from Ukraine in exchange for alleged help of the 2020 election. So just to be clear, Schiff is picking all the witnesses. The Republicans pick none. Schiff has control of the testimony. They are leaking out, the Democrats, Schiff and his staff, that which they want the public to know, withholding all the rest. As for the transcripts, the Republicans can only read the transcripts once they've been prepared with minders, that is, with Democrat staffers watching them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, This is our country too. And the House of Representatives belongs to all the people. Even if one party controls it over another. This election in 2016 was an American election. And we have a right to know as voters and as citizens what our representatives are doing, who they're talking to, and what these people are saying. There's a reason why, with extremely rare exceptions... All criminal trials are public trials. So the public can know what's going on and the government can't run circles around the public. So in virtually every respect, what Adam Schiff is doing is contrary to the American experiment. Now you might say it's not a criminal trial. It's worse. This is an effort by one party to remove the president who is a leader of another party. This is an effort by one administration and one campaign in the hands of the Democrats to try and prevent a Republican candidate, Donald Trump, from getting elected through all kinds of illegal and unethical tactics. And now they're trying to remove him. Literally, the same individuals. A senior Pentagon official working on Ukraine, Laura Cooper, was scheduled to testify 
But due to restrictions set by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Schiff, members of the Armed Services Committee, which has oversight over the Pentagon, were not allowed to attend. House Armed Services Committee member and Green Beret Representative Mike Waltz told reporters outside the room that he has served in third world countries more transparent than the way Schiff was handling the impeachment inquiry. House Foreign Affairs Committee member Representative Lee Zeldin, who has attended every hearing, said by midday Wednesday, some Republican lawmakers were still inside the secret room, known as a sensitive compartmented information facility, or SCIF. Members are still there, he said. We want to hear from this witness, but we want our colleagues to hear from this witness, too, especially those members who are on the House Armed Services Committee. The person coming to testify is from the Department of Defense. And this is more the jurisdiction of the House Armed Services Committee than it is any of the other three committees involved in this inquiry. But we want the deposition to take place, but we don't want it to be happening so much in secret that even most of Congress can't even know what's going on. Now keep in mind, this isn't about classified information. And keep in mind, these are the same Democrats and the same media who demanded grand jury information from the Mueller report and 302 investigative notes from the FBI, all of which is supposed to stay secret. Remember that? On and on and on. They even went to court. Last week, 184 Republicans backed a bill, I believe it was 185, to censor Schiff for his handling of the impeachment inquiry. The interviews of these officials have taken place out of the public's view and in a classified compartment in the Capitol basement. Republicans say there's no classified material being discussed, and it's not an intelligence matter. The closed-door interviews have allowed Democrats to emerge from the basement bunker and selectively leak snippets of the interviews to reporters. And the reporters are thrilled with snippets of interviews. So they can make these outrageous statements about testimony that's been given. I'll give you a perfect example. John Berman on CNN. John Berman is as dumb as a doorknob. But listen to how this works. So we don't have open hearings where testimony is given publicly. We don't have the transcripts publicly. All we get is information the Democrats release, and that's good enough for John Berman and Allison Camerata over there at the Constipated News Network. Cut one, go. It's 6 o'clock here in New York, and the other shoe just dropped. These are the headlines we want to show you that President Trump is waking up to this morning. This is the New York Times. Trump tied aid to inquiries, Envoy says. Washington Post, Envoy. Trump tied aid to Biden probe. You want to hold the Wall Street Journal? Oh, okay. Wall Street Journal. Diplomat says President tied Ukraine aid to Biden probe. It's really consistent. There's another way to say that. You know what it is? That he tied the aid to the probe? It's quid pro quo. The other way to say that is quid pro quo. These are supposed to be journalists. Then there's Dan Abrams, ABC's legal analyst, who is the founder of Media, a left-wing kook site, whose sister was appointed to a federal judgeship by Barack Obama, and whose brother-in-law, married to the sister, served on Mueller's team. So he's a very objective journalist. Here's what he said about this on Good Morning America today, in a discussion with Stephanopoulos. Cut to go. 
clearly this testimony the most significant uh, incident yet in this impeachment inquiry. Absolutely. And you can't view it in a vacuum, right? The, the administration would like you to say, well, you can't believe this guy. This guy's an outlier. The problem is that his testimony is entirely consistent with both the transcript of the phone call that's come out and the text messages amongst the diplomats. And the admission from Mick Mulvaney last week. And, and Mick Mulvaney as well. So you have to take it together. I mean, in a typical trial, right, defense attorneys will try to get people to isolate a single piece of evidence. And they'll say to the jury, you're not going to convict on that piece of evidence, are you? That's not enough to prove maybe proof. No, 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 just that. So. So this whole discussion is based on information leaked by the Democrats, cherry-picked, or the opening statement of the witness. That's it. That's it. And it goes on and on and on between Stephanopoulos and Abrams. First of all, there can't be a quid pro quo for a number of reasons. The first reason is the President of the United States has every right to insist that a foreign government work with our federal Department of Justice investigators doing an official criminal investigation. That's number one. That's all public. That's all public knowledge. Number two, over and over again, over and over again, we've, been, uh, we've learned that the Ukrainian government was unaware that there was a temporary hold on these monies. Temporary hold on these monies. So there's no quo, as I've said over and over again on radio and TV. Quid pro quo needs a quo. There's no quo. You won't get that out of Abrams, you won't get it out of Stephanopoulos, you won't get it out of the two dunderheads on CNN. But there's another point. The media are running with the Democrat cherry-picked leaks. Lee Zeldin, who also served in the military, he tweeted this, the big substantive reference to Biden in Taylor's opening, page 12, leaked by Democrats, was fourth-hand information. Taylor says Morrison told him that Sondland told Morrison that POTUS told Sondland that POTUS told Zelensky. In other words, this bombshell witness knew nothing firsthand, secondhand, or thirdhand. And this is why they won't release the transcript now. They'll probably release them all at the very end, dump them on everybody where it's almost impossible to get through it all. And everybody will be focused on the next shiny object. But this is the irresponsibility of ABC legal analyst Abrams, of ABC host, Democrat war room man in the Clinton administration, Stephanopoulos, and the two clowns over at CNN. You're not getting news. You're getting propaganda. One-sided information fed to the American people. Now you know this, you listen to this program and so forth, but imagine the people who don't. And we just listen to these programs on CNN or ABC or read the New York Times or the Washington Post. They don't know. They only know what's being spoon-fed to them by the Democrat Party press. Unbelievable. But I wanted to point out those perfect examples. And this went on and on and on. In fact, let's hear Lee Zeldin say what I just read to you. Cut five, Mr. Producer. Cut five, go. One fun fact from yesterday. I saw that the opening statement leaked. This is what happens. This is the Democrats' strategy. They like to cherry-pick leaks. Turn to page 12. The only reference to Joe Biden, other than one reference to the July 25th transcript. In that one reference, it's not firsthand from Ambassador Taylor. 
It's not secondhand from Ambassador Taylor. It's not thirdhand from Ambassador Taylor. Y'all making a big deal of Ambassador Taylor telling him that Tim Morrison told him, that Sondland told Morrison, that the president told Sondland, that the president told Zelensky. Give me a break. On the process and the substance, this whole thing has been a joke. And I appreciate my colleagues for having today's press conference. They deserve answers. My constituents deserve answers. And Matt Gates, today before uh, the Republicans went into this secure room where they're holding these, these uh, secret hearings, said the following. Cut four, go. I'm gathered here with dozens of my congressional colleagues underground in the basement of the Capitol because if behind those doors they intend to overturn the results of an American presidential election, we want to know what's going on. And it's only reasonable that we would have questions because so far, Adam Schiff's impeachment inquiry has been marked by secret interviews, selective leaks, weird theatrical performances of transcripts that never happened, and lies about contacts with a whistleblower. And so uh, I'm going to have a few of my colleagues give remarks, and then we're going to try to go in there, and we're going to try to figure out what's going on on behalf of the millions of Americans that we represent that want to see this Congress working for them and not obsessed with attacking a president who we believe has not done anything to deserve impeachment. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Scalise, the number two Republican in the House of Representatives, who's doing a hell of a good job, I might add. Cut six, go. What is Adam Schiff trying to hide? I think that's a question so many people have, so many of my colleagues have, so many people in the press should have, is through those hidden closed doors over there, Adam Schiff is trying to impeach a president of the United States behind closed doors, literally trying to overturn the results of the 2016 election a year before Americans get to go to the polls to decide who's going to be the president. And frankly, it should be the people of this country who decide who's going to be the president, not Nancy Pelosi and not Adam Schiff in secret behind closed doors. The fact that Adam Schiff won't even let the press in, you can't even go in and see what's going on in that room. Voting members of Congress are being denied access from being able to see what's happening behind these closed doors where they're trying to impeach the president of the United States with a one-sided set of rules. They call the witnesses. They don't let anybody else call the witnesses. They don't even let the president's legal counsel question people who are making baseless allegations. Maybe in the Soviet Union, this kind of thing is commonplace. This shouldn't be happening in the United States of America, where they're trying to impeach a president in secret behind closed doors. The American people deserve better. We will demand better. Where are the press associations that usually come out and demand transparency and demand access to information? Where are the complaints from the newsrooms all across the country? The New York Times and the Washington Post and all the rest of them. Where are the editorials? Newspapers all over the country. Blaring headlines demanding access to witnesses, access to testimony, access to the so-called whistleblower. Where are the demands? That the Democrats in the House of Representatives under Pelosi and Schiff are undermining freedom of the press and the public's access to what's going on with their own damn government. I'll be right back.
Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Devin Nunes on Hannity last night about this witness, Bill Taylor, who you were told put the stake in the heart of the president and the presidency by legal analyst Dan Abrams, by Stephanopoulos, by CNN, by all of them. What did Devin Nunes have to say? Cut nine, go. Well, I was down there most of the day in this uh, meeting with Ambassador Taylor. Uh, And once again, it was the same thing. Something leaks out to the Washington Post. Narratives are built. But the truth is, is that in two minutes, John Ratcliffe destroyed this witness. Uh, There's no quid pro quo. Uh, In addition, it, it continues to be alarming to me the lack of the understanding at the State Department by the bureaucracy there about how much the Ukrainians were involved opposing Donald Trump as a candidate. So, you know, just the not understanding that the Democrats had paid Christopher Steele for the dossier, which he got information, according to Nellie Orr, from Ukrainians. This is really frightening that people in the State Department wouldn't have a clue, wouldn't understand why would, why would the president send Rudy Giuliani to Ukraine? Well, perhaps because they dirtied him up. And it would be his lawyer's responsibility to get over there to Ukraine, figure out what the dirt is to try to defend his client, which then was the President of the United States, going up against the Mueller witch hunt. They, they get more and more upset with these witnesses, even though they're, these are all supposed to be their witnesses. Remember, you know, they're not allowing us to have any witnesses. And as you no mentioned, witnesses. And as you mentioned today, this whole idea that now we have to have minders looking over us for the, for, to, to review a transcript, that is unprecedented. I mean, All right, excellent, say? excellent. Rudy Giuliani. Well, let me ask you something. Is this the first time a president has used a different avenue to conduct foreign policy with a particular nation? Well, we have a guest at the bottom of the hour, Matt Goetz, who led the effort for transparency today. But after our guest, we're going to look into this issue of Rudy Giuliani. I think you'll be rather surprised. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu, that's hillsdale.edu, for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Matt Gates is a Republican from Florida. He's one of the uh, stars, as far as I'm concerned, in the House of Representatives. He always takes point, as he did today. Uh, Representative Gates, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Mark. My pleasure. Tell us what happened today. Well, frankly, we're just fed up. We're tired of the Democrats running this kangaroo court underground in the basement of the Capitol. There are no rules. There is no access to documents. They change the rules as they go along. And Adam Schiff is one of only 435 members of Congress, and yet he thinks he can hold all the information, selectively leak stuff, lie about his contacts with whistleblowers, theatrically perform in committee transcripts that are fake that didn't happen, and that Republicans are just going to sit and watch the world go by. And frankly, there are, there are too many people on the right that for you know, a political generation have believed that you can apply the Marquis of Queensberry rules of engagement when you're fighting a rabid, angry pack of hyenas. But I don't think that way. I think that if they are going to be acting in a lawless fashion to overturn the results of a presidential election, that members of Congress representing millions of Americans collectively ought to show up, we ought to be counted, and we ought to actually earn our paychecks and fight for our constituents. Mm-hmm. And yet they seem uh, undeterred on the left because uh, the media are with them. The media are happy to take their leaks, turn them into headlines. I notice no press organizations or associations are demanding transparency, Congressman. I notice no editorial out there from any of these major typical left-wing newspapers, demanding access to the hearings, public hearings, nothing. That's not by accident, is it? They, they all agree with each other. Well, the, the corporate media knows that if there is a full exposure of this just absolutely foolish impeachment inquiry, that it will not stand, that the American people will turn on the political left, and then they would, see, they would have to clutch their pearls and gasp in their wokeness about how they contributed to the re-election of Donald Trump. And so what you see now is a, is a stark departure from the strategy Democrats used in the Russia investigation. In the Russian investigation, we had Lewandowski for a public hearing. That was terrible for Democrats. We had Robert Mueller come and explain the elements of his report that he could remember, and that was a total dud for them. And so now they're shifting gears. They're going away from these public hearings where Jim Jordan and John Ratcliffe and Mark Meadows and I 
can effectively make the case for the president, and they're trying to selectively leak out information and then have that information glorified by the left-wing media without the scrutiny and the honesty of cross-examination, thorough review, analysis against documents and timelines, you know, the normal due process stuff that used to unite all of us. And was applied to Nixon and was applied to Clinton and, of course, was even applied to Andrew Johnson. Now, Congressman, I, I would raise another point here, which is this. There's not a single leak which are intended to be favorable to the Democrats. There's not a single leak that ties military aid to an investigation of Biden. Not one. So they changed the narrative. Now it's if the president or anybody on his staff or anybody insisted that the Ukrainian government assist our formal criminal investigation coming out of the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney from Connecticut, that that's a quid pro quo. Even though that hasn't been demonstrated, how is that a quid pro quo? Well, it shouldn't surprise anyone, no matter what it is, because it is what Bill Barr told the American people he was going to do when he was confirmed to be the attorney general. He said he was going to discover what the origins of this troubling investigation were that was necessarily going to involve cooperation from foreign partners and foreign adversaries. And I do think in the diplomatic community, there was a belief that this new president, Zelensky, was not of the corrupt Ukrainian, you know, uh, tomfoolery that interfered in our election. And so there was a thought that he was going to be better. And by the way, here's another thing the media will never tell you. A Ukrainian court ruled that Ukrainian officials were illegally meddling in the 2016 election when they selectively timed leaks relating to Paul Manafort to what the Hillary Clinton DNC team wanted to have the most negative impact on Donald Trump's candidacy. So there is already a court decision in the Ukraine that there was illegal meddling, and there's nothing wrong with the president of the United States saying saying we have an expectation that you will work with us and cooperate with us so that we can get to this corrupt influence that came out of the Ukraine and that influenced our country. In fact, Congressman, there was that article... I believe it was January 11, 2017, in Politico, by an individual, Ken Vogel, who is a leftist, and he now works for the New York Times, laying out in in exquisite detail with actual names how the Ukrainian government was working with the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, and even uh, our embassy uh, to, to go after the President of the United States and to promote Hillary Clinton. I take it this Intelligence Committee won't be investigating any of that. Of course not. And, and that is the true travesty. That is the true abuse of power, that you had the Obama administration and senior officials in that administration coercing foreign governments to do what they could not do legally, and then officials from that very government illegally committing a fraud on a secret court to spy on Americans and then try to delegitimize Donald Trump both before and after his election. That happened. That should be what we are investigating. And if there are elements of that that trace back to the Ukraine, it is entirely appropriate to see what's going on. But there's a tactic from Russia that we do see playing out again in the Ukraine. You'll remember, Mark, because you followed this very closely, that one of the things that the deep state did is that they would go leak articles, and then they would go and use those articles Mm -hmm. to validate their claims. But it was all really coming from the same source. 
And so now what you see is that officials who hated Donald Trump, who just didn't like him for whatever reason, they have this leaking going on to Politico that, oh, you know, they believe there's some improper influence and some abuse of power with a quid pro quo. And then they go and cite that in their interviews as to the proof that they were right all along. It is just mm-hmm. totally a tautology, a circular sense of logic. They tried this in Russia and were exposed. Now they're trying to keep from being exposed by not allowing questions from Jim Jordan and, you know, Mark Meadows, John Radcliffe, Andy Biggs, Doug Collins, to be asked in public and to have public responses. So I, I have to wonder now, since you're in the minority and... Uh... Uh, Nancy Pelosi rules the place like Eva Perone over there. What, uh, what, what can you do? Frankly, I, I wish we were looking at Eva Perone and not Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the argument we have to win is that this is a politically illegitimate impeachment because the impeachment is going to happen. The impeachment was inevitable the moment Nancy Pelosi grabbed the gavel because the radical elements of the left cannot stand a substantive argument with Donald Trump about the effect his presidency has had on the country. So instead, it has to be all about delegitimizing, deplatforming, doing everything you can to avoid the substantive argument by saying someone is not legitimate. And that is why this impeachment was inevitable. But I think that it is equally as inevitable that the American people will see this for the sham that it is, They will be frustrated and resentful that there was no work on issues like prescription drugs, health care, immigration, you know, trade to help our country. Instead, there was just this infatuation with investigations and impeachment, and the American people will punish Democrats in 2020 for this irresponsible behavior that is hurting our country. You know, I've been very impressed, frankly, with most of the Republicans in the House uh, who see this for what it is and who are trying to battle as best they can, you and others. And, but I look over at the Senate, and I must confess, they make me very nervous over there because uh, some of them seem to think, uh, well, we'll look at the information. You know, I'm going to be a juror. You're going to be a juror? I mean, uh, the Senate going to give its imprimatur to this process in the House of Representatives, a process that's never been embraced before? They're going to create a precedent for future presidencies like this? What would your advice to the Senate be? My advice to the Senate would be to investigate the corrupt origins of the Russia investigation, and that will inform a lot on what's cooking right now and what the motivations are behind this illegitimate process. You know, uh, I am only in my third year in Congress. I've barely figured out the House of Representatives. I most certainly have not figured out the Senate and why senators act the way they act and why they do the stuff they do. But I do know that Lindsey Graham said to the American people that he was going to get to the bottom of this. And I would like to see the Senate Judiciary Committee take more action uh, to expose the corrupt origins of the attempts to impeach this president. And if we did that, I think the American people would know what this is all about. I mean, you know, I know, we follow this stuff closely. Your listeners follow this closely. Democrats were humiliated when the Russia investigation failed to produce any criminal charges, any criminal conduct, any improper behavior by the president that would warrant removal. And so because they were so humiliated by that, they had to go make something up. Remember that week where they were saying they were going to like, uh, try to impeach Justice Kavanaugh? Oh, that yeah. was crazy. But you're not on that anymore because they found their new ticket to ride. And it's this, this Ukrainian stuff. And it just should really bother the American people that 
instead of focusing on the issues that matter at the kitchen tables, in the family meetings, at the PTA board, we're sitting here on this garbage. And Matt Gates, I love these headlines all over TV now, too, that you guys tried to storm the skiff. Storm the skiff. Let me ask you, did you have weapons or something, or were you just walking into the skiff? Dude, I'm a slow, fat white boy. I just kind of <laughs> walked in, sat down, and, and, and let me tell you something else. We weren't disruptive or loud. We just went into the room, we sat on the walls, and we wanted the questioning to commence. And instead, Adam Schiff grabs the witness and whisks out of the room. He scattered like a cockroach when you turn the light on. And after that, after the witness left, after the chairman left, yeah, there were a few Republicans that let the Democrats that remain know what exactly we thought about this process. And I think as colleagues, we should have the right to have that type of a candid discussion directly. Final question. Can you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot, if this had been Obama and a bunch of Republicans were conducting themselves this way? How do you think it would be covered? Oh, the mainstream media would be like lashing themselves to the democracy dies in darkness banner. There would be reporters, you know, who would be like, you know, chaining themselves to the doors, not letting the witnesses in if the reporters were not allowed in. But anything, you know, that that, uh, tries to make the president look bad or cast him in a bad light. The sad thing is the mainstream media in this town, they start salivating for that stuff like a Rottweiler waiting for a T-bone. And it's, it's a sad thing for our country that they're willing to be so dishonest, but that's why platforms like yours are so important because we can directly tell the American people what's really going on. Matt Gates, you're doing a great job. Please pass the word on, keep it up, and thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. All right, take care of yourself. Well, there you are. That's exactly what's taking place. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. going to go a little bit out of order, but next hour I want to talk about something that's important in all this, because they keep attacking Rudy Giuliani. I'm no special pleader for any of these folks, but what's fair is fair. And this witness, Taylor, who's obviously a bureaucratic hack, and you'll learn more about him again, thanks to our friend Aaron Klein at the Breitbart next hour, but uh, he was making, uh, he's talking about irregular channels for communication. In other words, the president decided to go around the State Department, and that has these bureaucrats at the State Department very, very upset. Backdoor and secret and shadow undertakings. Is this the first president to do that? 
What about Washington? What about Franklin Roosevelt? And so many others. What about Woodrow Wilson? And there are others. Yes, and we'll talk about them. Because actually, it's happened many, many times in American history. But you won't learn that from legal analysts like Dan Abrams or left-wing kook websites like Mediate and Media Matters. Or left-wing sites like the Huffington Compost. You certainly won't learn it from the editorial pages of the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. That's for sure. Anyway, I thought we'd put to sleep this issue of, uh, of lynching. So we put together a montage for you of Democrats in 1998 repeatedly likening Clinton's impeachment to lynching. And you notice today you don't hear anything about it, right, Mr. Producer? Joe Biden, John Kerry, Gregory Meeks, Danny Davis, Jim McDermott, Charlie Rangel, Harry Reid, cut 11, go. Even if the president should be impeached, history is going to question whether or not this was just a partisan lynching. It is a you know, verbal political lynching on the floor of the Senate. What we are doing or what we are doing here is not a prosecution, it's a persecution. And indeed, it is a political lynching. So I will not vote for this nightmare before Christmas. I will not vote for this lynching in the people's house. I will vote against these resolutions. This day feels to me like we're taking a step down the road to becoming a political lynch mob. This is about getting rid of the president of the United States. The whole idea is a lynch mob mentality that says this man has to go. The lynch mob, though, Mr. President, now has a new leader. Mm-hmm. Of course, they bring John Meacham, great historian, on MSLSD yesterday. Cut 12, go. This is a country that was founded to, and in many ways, protected slavery as an institution. And for then a century after Appomattox, we enforced apartheid in my part of the world. And it's only been gone insofar as it's been gone for half a century, just over half a century. And so this is all the day before yesterday. And what the president has done is tried to undo what minimal progress we've made. No, you're such an idiot. Minimal progress we've made and then dump on the president over the word lynching. And you're a historian. You're a hysterical joke. What a fraud, in my humble opinion. What a fraud. Anyway, one more. Mo Brooks, who I'm a big fan of. He was a district attorney in the Huntsville, Alabama, and that's where he represents the Huntsville, Alabama area. Yesterday... CNN's Manu Raju, another left-wing kook, hat-tip right scoop, and Mo Brooks schools him. Cut three, go. Mr. Brooks, Mr. Brooks, the, the, the opening statement says very clearly, this is not, this is okay. white bill. The opening oh, hold statement on, let, me, let, let me finish what I'm no, saying. Let me no, finish my question. Look, he says very clearly. You should not be relying on it. Why, why you, should not be relying on his public testimony? Law, if you were in a court of law, would you rely just on the opening statement of an attorney? But let me or ask the first you, witness call? Or would you saying? have cross-examination? Would you allow rebuttal witnesses to determine, to explore whether the first witness I'm is testimony the sub- I'm asking about the substance of what he said. He Did said it make that, any difference? We don't know whether what he said is true or not because of the sham process that's being used. Don't you understand, Raju? Don't you understand? You wouldn't tolerate this if a terrorist was on trial or a mass murderer was on trial. You wouldn't tolerate it at all. And yet there you are being food sped, spoon fed, 
little pieces of information out of the guy's statement and so forth. Yes, reporting in America is non-existent, pretty much. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. A letter was just fired off to Adam Schiff by Jim Jordan, ranking member of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, Michael McCall, ranking member of the Committee on Foreign Affairs, Devin Nunes, ranking member, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. They fired a letter off to Adam Smith as follows. We are surprised by your announcement that the committees will not receive testimony from the anonymous intelligence community employee whose complaint initiated the so-called impeachment inquiry. You had earlier committed that the employee would provide unfiltered testimony very soon, quote-unquote, only to reverse course following revelations that the employee had a bias against President Donald Trump and that you had received a secret early account of the allegations. As the so-called impeachment inquiry gathers information that contradicts the employee's allegations, We ask that you arrange for the committees to receive public testimony from the employee and all individuals he or she relied upon in formulating the complaint. On August 12, 2019, an employee submitted a complaint accusing President Trump of, quote, using the power of his office to solicit interference from a foreign country in the 2020 U.S. election, unquote. Although the employee acknowledged that he was not a direct witness, To most of the events described, quote-unquote, the employee made several serious allegations that President Trump sought to pressure Ukrainian President Zelensky to take actions to help the president's 2020 re-election bid, that Ambassador Kurt Volker and Ambassador Gordon Sondland were sent to Ukraine to, quote, provide advice about how to navigate the demands that the president had made of Zelensky, that Ambassador Volker and Ambassador Sondland had spoken with Mr. Giuliani in an attempt to contain the damage to U.S. national security. That a meeting or phone call between President Trump and Zelensky would depend on whether Zelensky showed willingness to play ball on investigations. And that President Trump instructed Vice President Pence to cancel his planned travel to Ukraine to attend Zelensky's inauguration. On September 24, 2019, in response to the employee's complaint and before the House had obtained any direct evidence, Speaker Pelosi unilaterally announced the House would initiate an inquiry into impeaching President Trump. Since then, the committees have obtained information that contradicts the employees' assertions. The transcript of President Trump's phone call with Zelensky, which President Trump declassified and released the day after Speaker Pelosi's announcement, contains no reference to the 2020 presidential election. President Zelensky has said publicly and repeatedly that he felt no pressure, and there, was, there were no conditions imposed by President Trump. In addition, several witnesses have offered closed-door testimony in this so-called impeachment inquiry 
that rebuts the central assertion of the anonymous employee's complaint, including the specific allegations listed above. In light of these inconsistencies between facts, as alleged by the employee and information obtained during the so-called impeachment inquiry, the committees ought to fully assess the sources and credibility of the employee, because Speaker Pelosi's unilateral impeachment inquiry has not provided us with co-equal subpoena power, as has been the bipartisan precedent in modern impeachment inquiries. We expect you to arrange for the committees to receive the testimony of the employees and all individuals he or she relied upon in formulating the August 12th complaint. And we may request additional witnesses at the appropriate time as the inquiry continues. Your failure to arrange for the committees to receive this testimony shall constitute evidence of your denial of fundamental fairness and due process. Jim Jordan, Michael McCall, Devin Nunes. You see, ladies and gentlemen, they don't want public testimony because it destroys their narrative. Because there's no evidence of any kind of a quid pro quo. This is why I call this a star chamber, or a Soviet-style investigation, and I have from day one. The Republicans don't fear public testimony, cross-examination, subpoenaing witnesses, allowing the president to have a fair opportunity and access to what's taking place so he can respond to it as well. The Democrats want no cross-examination. They want no contradictory information. They want no new evidence. They want no contradictory witnesses. In other words, they don't want the truth and they don't want the facts as tested through the usual due process process. And the Republicans have really stepped up their game in the House. In the Senate, they are a disgrace. But in the House, they're duking it out as best as they can in the minority. And they're making demands and they must continue to make these demands. And throughout all this, they're exposing the Democrats, they're exposing the media, and they're exposing some of these witnesses for the bureaucrat anti-Trumpers that they are. Some of them. For instance, this guy Taylor, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, were told he had been a Bush appointee, and he had gone to West Point. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you about Bush appointees, and Reagan appointees, and Clinton appointees. The vast majority of these ambassador positions are held by longtime State Department civil servants. A small percentage of them are held by appointees, political appointees, of a president. The media know this. They've been around Washington, D.C. a hell of a long time. U.S. Ambassador, this is Aaron Klein at Breitbart, which is doing a hell of a better job of reporting the news than the New York Times and the Washington Post, I can tell you that. U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine Bill Taylor, who provided key testimony to the Democrats' controversial impeachment inquiry, has evidenced a close relationship with the Atlantic Council think tank, even writing Ukraine policy pieces with the organization's director and analysis articles published by the council. So you'll say, what's the big deal? Well, listen up. The Atlantic Council is funded by and works in partnership with Burisma, the natural gas company at the center of allegations regarding Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden. This is by Aaron Klein. In addition to a direct relationship with the Atlantic Council, 
This ambassador, former ambassador Taylor, for the last nine years, has also served as a senior advisor to the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council, which has co-hosted events with the Atlantic Council, and has participated in events co-hosted jointly by the Atlantic Council and Burisma. Another senior advisor to the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council, USUBC, is David Kramer, a longtime advisor to the late Senator John McCain. Kramer played a central role in disseminating the anti-Trump dossier to the news media and Obama administration. Taylor participated in events and initiatives organized by Kramer. The links may be particularly instructive after Breitbart News reported that itinerary for a trip to Ukraine in August, just a few months ago, by the Burisma-funded Atlantic Council for 10 congressional aides, reveals that a staffer on Representative Adam Schiff's House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence held a meeting during the trip with Taylor. The pre-planned trip took place after the so-called whistleblower officially filed his August 12 complaint and reportedly after a Schiff aide was contacted by the so-called whistleblower. This is why they don't want cross-examination, because then you can ask Taylor about any connections to the Atlantic Council or Burisma? Any connections with any Schiff aide? Any meetings he had with any Schiff aide? This is why they don't want public hearings. Multiple U.S. media outlets yesterday obtained Taylor's full opening statement to the House Intelligence Oversight Foreign Affairs Committees. That means Schiff leaked it. In the leaked pre-written full opening statement, Taylor alluded to work he said he did for a small Ukrainian non-government organization, but he omitted the name of the organization. In the intervening 10 years, I have stayed engaged with Ukraine, he wrote, visiting frequently since 2013 as a board member of a small Ukrainian non-governmental organization supporting good governance and reform, he said. The name of that organization is the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council, where Taylor served for nine years as senior advisor. That group has co-hosted or participated in scores of events with the Atlantic Council. Taylor has also authored numerous analysis pieces published by the Atlantic Council itself and has co-authored op-eds written together with the Atlantic Council's director. Burisma is a key financial backer of the Atlantic Council. In 2017, Burisma and the Atlantic Council signed a cooperative agreement to develop transatlantic programs with Burisma's financial support, reportedly to focus on European and international energy security. Burisma specifically finances the Atlantic Council's Eurasia Center. And it goes on. This won't be picked up by anybody but me. It won't be picked up by the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or the Constipated News Network or MSLSD. I don't even know if it will be picked up by the newsrooms at Fox. But isn't it funny how they dig into all the connections of the Trump businesses and the Trump family and the this and the that. People they hate. They won't even look into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. But Aaron Klein over here on Breitbart, he's a bulldog. And he's pointing out to you that the former U.S. ambassador, acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor. All we hear, you know, Bush had appointed him and he went to West Point. Uh, We'd like to know a little bit more about the guy. Uh, that there's some issues, legitimate issues that can be raised about his credibility. For a court of law, that's exactly what would take place. 
But they don't want that. No, no, they want the spoon-fed headlines that they're getting from Schiff in these opening statements. Here's the, the, the headline that should have come out of yesterday with this guy Taylor. Taylor has no first-hand information whatsoever of any quid pro quo, period. How do you like that? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Stick with me throughout all this, folks. We figure these things out. We walk through them. And I have another story to tell you. Which I doubt you'll hear anywhere else as well. Giuliani-style shadow diplomacy, par for the course of U.S. history. Real clear investigations. Eric Felton, who is a great reporter. Again, you won't find this in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost or in the Constipated News Network or MSLSD or any of the rest of it. Because they don't do reporting. Let's begin. Rudolf Giuliani didn't hide the fact that he was investigating whether Ukraine interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential race. Yet most media have treated Giuliani's efforts as sneaky and suspect because he acted at the personal behest of the president and not as an official representative of the bureaucracy. The New York Times, for example, claimed Giuliani was conducting a shadow foreign policy campaign. In fact, presidents since George Washington have turned to individuals without formal government positions to pursue foreign policy interests and objectives. Private citizens, often acting as special envoys, have helped negotiate issues ranging from trade to war, while critics deride such efforts as backdoor, secret, or shadow undertakings. Many presidents have found it useful to dispatch people they trust, who can think and operate outside the constraints of official channels and handling delicate matters. And by the way, this is one of the reasons you're seeing a conga line of State Department officials, Obama holdovers, bureaucrats, because they're very unhappy with this president's policies and with Giuliani. And so they're taking these disgruntled ex-officials and writing down what they had to say to try and put together an impeachment charge against the president. Private representatives were essential in the early days of the Republican Party because the federal government was small. And during his first year in office, Washington wrote to one of the founders most responsible for penning the Constitution, Governor Morris, who was on business in France. The president said he needed to know the sentiments and intentions of the Court of London toward a treaty of commerce. Washington was known, excuse me, was looking for someone who could act with subtlety. It appears to me most expedient to have these inquiries made informally by a private agent. Washington told Morris he looked forward to the result of your agency. Franklin Roosevelt called kitchen cabinet advisor Harry Hopkins, the perfect ambassador for my purposes, after sending Hopkins on wartime missions to Great Britain and the Soviet Union. Quote, he doesn't even know the meaning of the word protocol, FDR added. When he sees a piece of red tape, he just pulls out that old garden shears of his and snipes it. Snips it. In modern times, Jesse Jackson pursued freelance foreign policy for decades, before President Clinton made him special envoy for the promotion of democracy in Africa. Armin Hammer used his far-flung business interests to facilitate his, quote, citizen diplomacy. Although Hammer was particularly solicitous of the Soviet Union, presidents, including Nixon and Reagan, tolerated, or more than tolerated, his personal diplomacy. 
Reagan once wrote Hammer, I value your insights on our policy toward the Soviet Union. Clinton turned to Congressman Bill Richardson to be his informal undersecretary for thugs, as Richardson jokingly referred to himself, negotiating with dictators in places such as Iraq, Cuba, North Korea, and Haiti. By the 20th century, presidents had far more institutional assets to rely on, but continued to look to independent diplomats to pursue their policies. During the early days of World War I, before America's entry into the conflict in Europe, President Wilson was at odds with his Secretary of State, Williams Jennings Bryant. Wilson and his top diplomat disagreed about what a policy of neutrality entailed. When a German U-boat sank the, the uh, Lusitania, Bryant resigned over the President's response. Wilson's thinking, however, was in sync with that of Texas businessman Edward House, a friend and advisor who was so close that they had their own telegraph code. You're the only one in the world to whom I can open my mind freely, Wilson told House. In both 1915 and 1916, Wilson sent House to Britain, Germany, France on peacekeeping missions. And after the armistice, he had a more formal role as a U.S. delegate at the talks that led to the Treaty of Versailles. The next president would also rely on an informal diplomat. Republicans were split after the war between internationalists and those who would keep America out of the European entanglements. Warren Harding faced a Congress of his own party, but which largely opposed sending ambassadors who would get the U.S. mired in negotiations over such things as war reparations. Throughout the 20s, Republican presidents would avoid conflict with Republican lawmakers by relying on freelancers. Among them was James A. Logan. Remember the Logan Act? According to historian John Carroll, it was Logan and unofficial diplomats like him who made it possible for the United States to carry out a constructive foreign policy of involvement in European affairs during the 1920s. Carroll argues this arrangement wasn't just expedient, but had advantages over the stiff traditions of the striped trouser crowd. In general, Logan, not restrained by the usual diplomatic protocol, won the confidence of European as well as American leaders through his forthright and candid reports and conversations. Now, after the break, I want to read you a little bit more because it comes up to modern times. In other words, folks, where they attack this president and they say he's doing things that are, that are outrageous, that are unconstitutional, irregular, if you will. The fact of the matter is, in this regard, he's done no such thing. He's done no such thing. As a matter of fact, like so many presidents before him, he's relying, in this case, on Rudy Giuliani to help get him the truth and the facts, to try and get around a State Department that did, in fact, collude with, among others, Russia and Ukraine. I'll be right back. Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811. See, the media and the Democrats, one and the same, they keep creating these pseudo-events. So you think that this president's out of control. What's with this Rudy Giuliani? Why is he using irregular channels, as the bureaucrat Taylor said in his opening statement the other day? Irregular channels to go around the State Department with separate policies. You can't do that. Well, of course you can. He's the President of the United States. He doesn't have to comply with Obama holdovers or bureaucrats from the State Department. He sets foreign policy. That's been the position 
since George Washington and modern presidents, and I'll explain some more of this. But they want you to think there's something horrible about this. They want you to think the President of the United States was involved in the quid pro pro and the investigation of the Bidens, and yet that's not what that phone transcript says at all. And that's not what any witness has testified firsthand to at all. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the President telling Ukraine, you're to assist us in our criminal investigation that is publicly known, that is being run by the Department of Justice, headed by the Attorney General and the U.S. Attorney, from Connecticut, all above board. All above board. So you have pseudo-event, for those of you who read on Freedom of the Press, pseudo-event on top of pseudo-event. That is, phony issue on top of phony issue that's treated as news. Now I want to talk to you about an organization that's doing something about the radical progressives dominating our nation's colleges. In only seven years... Charlie Kirk, who is a star, he's not a rising star, he's a star. And his team at Turning Point USA, a magnificent group, have created a conservative grassroots force active on nearly 1,500 campuses with over 250,000 students. A quarter of a million students and growing. And they do it from the bottom up, not the top down, including training conferences for women. African-American and Hispanic leaders. Their annual summit is the largest gathering of young conservatives in the country with over 5,000 student leaders in attendance. We talk all the time. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about it? Well, Charlie and his group Turning Point are doing something about this. They're training an army of campus fighters. And they need your support to keep up this work. And that's what's key. I want you to check them out. Please check them out right now. Go to markforturningpoint.com. Markforturningpoint.com. I love them because they play offense. And they play to win. Please, as you hear me give the website address, check them out. Go to markforturningpoint.com and help them continue to take the fight to the campus radicals. And you'll be able to see the ways in which you can help by going to their site. There are others who have already committed to double your efforts. That's right. Your support will be doubled. Please go to markforturningpoint.com right now. Markforturningpoint.com. That's markforturningpoint.com. Mark, what can we do about these things? I'm telling you. Go to markforturningpoint.com and check it out. All right. Rudy Giuliani. I'm probably the only person in America coming to his defense, aren't I, Mr. Producer? And not because I know him. I think I met him once in my life. I respect him. I admire a lot of what he's done. That's for sure. But look, folks, I stand up for what I think is the truth and what's principled. It's that simple. It's that simple. Now we'll continue with Eric Felton's piece in Real Clear Investigations. Piece about so-called shadow diplomacy, which is par for the course for American presidents throughout our history. He says the most influential and consequential of the informal diplomats would come in Franklin Roosevelt's presidency. After running several New Deal agencies and doing a stint as Secretary of Commerce, Harry Hopkins settled into a role even more powerful, presidential confidant. Everything has to seep through Harry Hopkins into the White House, complained cabinet member Harold Ickes, 
It is bad for the country to get the impression that any one person, no matter how strong and able he may be, is sharing in the president's counsels to the exclusion of all others and perhaps influencing his judgment unduly, he said. Hopkins may have been the back door to the White House, but he occupied even more prestigious real estate by actually living in the White House, the halls of which he would stroll in a silk robe. Hopkins had been in charge of various alphabet soup agencies during the New Deal, including the WPA. But he had far more power, as the New York Times Magazine described him, as a White House guest and the man closest to the president. Time Magazine went further. Harry Hopkins read a profile from April 1944, comes closest to being the real assistant president of the United States. Now, personal envoys who aren't official diplomats have always rankled the Department of State, which sees itself as holding a monopoly on forming foreign policy and negotiating to secure American interests, even if its workings aren't completely transparent, as was Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's private email setup to take a recent notable example. Foggy Bottom doesn't view its role as simply fulfilling the president's druthers, which can be frustrating for a president. So it's no surprise that President Trump might feel the need to do an end run around state, a department he trusts perhaps even less than it trusts him. But even if president is responsible for creating Washington bureaucracies as FDR, felt the need to go around his official officials. In a 2015 biography of Hopkins, Christopher O'Sullivan wrote, that by sending Hopkins to meet with Joseph Stalin in 1941, FDR would bypass the State Department with its anti-Soviet officials, whom Hopkins deemed too consumed with their ideological hostility to the USSR to focus on the larger goal of defeating Hitler. Was that a good idea? Perhaps not. If Hopkins was the communist sympathizer, dupe, or even Soviet agent, he's variously been alleged to have been. Hopkins was also accused of using his relationship with the president as a vehicle for collecting boodle abroad. Booty, it should say. It was widely reported that the Brit in charge of war material had given Hopkins' wife, Louise, an emerald necklace worth half a million dollars. She denied it, which did little to silence critics. Michigan Republican Roy O. Woodruff sneered that some people regarded as significant that Mrs. Hopkins specifically stipulated that Lord Beaverbrook had given her no emeralds, instead of making her denial uh, cover diamonds, gems, or other gifts of great value. If Giuliani is accused of profiteering from his role as an independent envoy, he won't be the first. Even those with official diplomatic credentials can get outside of their lanes. Ronald Reagan named his friend William Wilson ambassador to the Vatican. But instead of focusing his official efforts on representing the U.S. before the Holy See, Wilson set, met at the QT with representatives of Libya. Secretary of State George Sultz was not happy with Wilson's independent initiative. Giuliani's freelancing has been characterized by many Republicans as an effort to get at the truth. Democrats and most media describe his actions differently, as, quote, unlawfully wielding political influence, a blatant conflict of multiple interests, representing not only the president but also clients with cases to plead before the Justice Department. Whether such conflicts are unlawful will perhaps be sorted out, but potential conflicts are a standard hazard of freelance diplomacy. An example that is both typical and extreme, in February 1978, President Carter sent not just a private envoy to Cuba, but one who had significant personal business interests in normalizing relations between Washington and Havana. 
The unofficial diplomat was Carter's old Georgia friend and booster, J. Paul Austin, the CEO of Coca-Cola. According to Back Channel to Cuba by William Leogrand and Peter Kornblatt, Austin had, been, had already been to Havana in the summer of 77 when he met with Fidel Castro to discuss the possibility of opening a Coca-Cola bottling plant in Cuba. A literal instance of what was jokingly called Coca-Cola diplomacy. Before Austin returned to Cuba in 1978 on behalf of Carter, the president first sent him in 1977 on a mission to Egypt. There he acted as an unofficial presidential envoy, engaging in wine-raging talks with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat. Carter used Austin in part because official government entities were busy trying to further their own policy agendas instead of promoting the president's goals. Austin's 1978 mission to Havana came amid Cuba's expansion of its influence in Africa. And it goes on. Now, prime liability found in a century of independent diplomacy, that is, maybe some of these guys overdo it, what a president gains in nibbleness and flexibility loses in organized, consistent policy. Perhaps some wrongdoing will be found to attach Giuliani in the Kiev controversy. But the bigger problem for the Trump administration is the president has had so little trust in his official advisors that he has had to turn to outside loyalists. So the real issue here, ladies and gentlemen, is the State Department. But of course, the Democrats love the State Department. Because like so much of the rest of the bureaucracy, it is a breeding ground of leftists. It is a closed shop of leftists. It is a Democrat Party appeasement stronghold. And you can't rely on the State Department to get to the bottom of the Ukraine matter. If anything, from the leaks that we've seen, from the leaks that we've seen, that's become apparent by the former ambassador to the Ukraine and the current acting ambassador to the Ukraine who just left. To the assistant to Pompeo, another longtime bureaucrat at the Department of State. None of them we're going to implement the president's policy to get to the bottom of what happened in the 2016 campaign. Again, based on the leaks, all of them resent, resent being told to find out what took place. Hence the president and Giuliani. Hence the attorney general and the U.S. attorney from Connecticut. All of whom trying to get to the bottom of what took place in the 2016 campaign. And according to the Democrats, that's a quid pro quo. It's all right when Mueller, the special counsel, spends $40 million chasing a false Russia collusion narrative. It's all right when the senior level of the FBI sends spies into the Trump campaign. It's all right when the Hillary campaign and the DNC wash their money through Fusion GPS to an ex-spy in Britain who uses Russian apparatchiks to try and find dirt or create dirt on candidate Trump, and then use it in a FISA application subsequently. That's okay. The unmasking of American citizens, to which we've never gotten to the bottom, like the honorable hero, Michael Flynn, that's all right. What's the big deal? And now we have a so-called whistleblower who was a CIA operative, a holdover, if you will, who'd worked in the Obama White House, who worked closely with, apparently, reportedly, Joe Biden, whose first inclination was to run to the Adam Schiff staff from the House Intelligence Committee. 
Adam Schiff never told the Republicans or anybody else. Matter of fact, he lied to the American people about it. And then 18 days later, after the phone call, he files a whistleblower complaint based on secondhand information and public newspaper articles. And we're told we need to protect this individual because that's what's required under the Whistleblower Act. Even if it's the person who started the accusations against a sitting president that the Democrats and his lawyers are using to try and unseat that sitting president. No, 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 no. We must protect this person. The president has no right to confront him. The president has no right to call witnesses. The Republicans have no right to call witnesses. The president's lawyers have no right to cross-examine. They have no right to present evidence. They have no rights at all. Why? Why? This is a fake issue. This is another phony, rotten issue. And they think the American people are stupid enough to fall for it. Well, unfortunately, about half of them may well be. But let's hope we all don't fall for it. That is, all of our fellow citizens. Because as I said on day one, this is a silent coup. It's been a silent coup all along. Pick your issue. Russia, taxes, non-disclosure agreements, Ukraine. Pick your issue. The end justifies the means. I'll be right back. Mark my hope when I prepare for this program that you'll walk away from this program with more information than you had before. Not just a repetition of what others are probably saying. I, I can't hear what others are saying most of the time, but that's the goal. You now know that it's not irregular for a president to have a private citizen, a private attorney, a confidant assist him or her with foreign policy. There are many, many recent examples of this, too. And so uh, there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is we have a State Department that is entrenched that pushes its own foreign policy agenda. Uh, Assuming that no criminality uh, took place, of course, with Giuliani or anybody else, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having uh, two avenues or two paths to diplomacy, which apparently upset this guy Taylor based on his leaked opening statement. That's too damn bad for him. That's his problem. And same with the former assistant to the Secretary of State. That's too bad for him, and that's his problem. But you see, the goal here is to bring these people in. They're disgruntled, to have them state what they're disgruntled about, that this is an irregular, that something's wrong with it, to create an impression with, uh, with people out there who aren't really paying attention. Uh, and that's, that's what shifts up. There. You see, the Democrats basically believe the American people are stupid. And the reason they believe that is because most of their base is stupid. They respond to emotion. They respond to, uh, to impossible policies and, and, uh, and proposals. Uh, they, they respond to anger. Uh, and they don't really respond very well to uh, rational discussion. That's why you see one of these uh, clowns after another, conga line of clowns, come off these committees, the Democrats, and say the things that they say. And more and more, of course, the media look exactly like them. Chuck Todd is a moron. Jake Tapper is a moron. They're all morons, for the most part. Now, here's something interesting. There are over 2 million burglaries reported every year. That's one every 13 seconds. What's crazy is that only one in five homes 
have home security. And I think a lot of the reason for that is most of these companies are very onerous. These long contracts with fine print and uh, all the other requirements, they make it very difficult to get the proper security for your home. That's why Simply Safe is transforming home security by breaking down those barriers to get you the best, most reliable, and comprehensive protection available anywhere. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24 7 professional monitoring. And their police dispatch is up to 3.5 times faster because they use video verification. That is, there's no real false alarm issue here because they have the video. And Simply Safe has no contracts or hidden fees. The system is designed to blend right into your home. No wires, no drilling. It's easy to order, easy to set up, usually under an hour. Plus, prices are always fair and honest. Around the clock monitoring, just $15 a month. Please visit simplysafemark.com, simplysafemark.com, to get free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafemark.com because they know, they know what you need. And I want them to know that I sent you. That's simplysafemark.com. All right, Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak? Barry in Tennessee, XM Satellite, go. Hey, yeah, I got a question about Lindsey Graham. He's over the uh, Judicial Committee, is that right, in the Senate? Judiciary, right. Can he call in these uh, people that the shift's calling in and question them? Yes, he can. Why why ain't he doing it then? Well, he should, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should. Here's my, My theory is it's either, one, he's in on all this, or two, he don't want to embarrass John McCain. I, I don't really think so. I think he's got a lot of weak people on that committee and weak people in the Senate, so that could be he's a little gun-shy. We'll see. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I've always liked Shaquille O'Neal. You know, he supports the, uh, the sheriff's department in his community. I think he uh, lives in Florida, among other places. I believe his uh, father, not his biological father, but the father who uh, raised him, I believe, has a military background. But he's always been patriotic. He's not one of these guys taking a knee or trashing the country. doesn't mean you always agree with him. But he's always been sensible in that regard, as far as I'm concerned. Again, don't always have to agree. That's not the point. He's just pro-American. And he was on TNT yesterday, and I saw this. I thought it was quite good. And uh, He was debating mostly Charles Barkley. Well, I think uh, sounds like a sounds very foolish when it comes to this issue of China and the NBA. Very foolish. And uh, he can be sharp, he can be funny, but he can be dumb too. And he was very dumb. That's just my humble opinion. 
Anyway, Shaq, what do you think about this? China and the GM of the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, and China's reaction and so forth. Cut 15, go. We as American people, we do a lot of business in China, and they know and understand our values, and we understand their values. And one of our best values here in America is free speech. We're allowed to say what we want to say, and we're allowed to speak up about injustices, and that's just how it goes. And if people don't understand that, that's something that they have to deal with. But, you know, I just think it was unfortunate for, you know, both parties, and then you got people speaking when they don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, Daryl Morey was right. Whenever you see something wrong going on anywhere in the world, you should have the right to say, that's not right, and that's what he did. And But, but again, you know, when it comes to business, sometimes you have to tiptoe around things, but again, they understand our values, we understand our values in here, we have the right to speak, especially with the social media. We're going to say whatever we want to say, when we want to say it. Amen. Amen. They always talk about Barkley running for office. It's Shaq who ought to run for office. This is, this is really, it's that simple. No, Mark, it's not. No, no, it's that simple. It really is. The, the inhumanity that's taking place in China, in this province, where the NBA plays, as a matter of fact. Excuse me, I had a sneeze there. That, uh, you just sometimes have to put business aside, and too many American corporations are caught up in this. And the other fellow, unfortunately, I don't remember his name, he was quite good, too. Uh, who was speaking, the other uh, former basketball player and analyst. He was very good as well, as far as, I th- as, as, as these things go. I thought Barkley was, was terrible. He still doesn't get the point. You know, there's a time and place for everything is basically his argument. No, sometimes there's not. And sometimes you need to say things in a way, in a place that's going to be heard. And that was the other analyst's point. That Maury actually said what he said because he wanted it to be heard. He wanted it to be read. And so that's, uh, I think O'Neill makes a lot of sense there. Now we have uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Each. I just don't uh, see what people see in this, this individual. She's your typical left-wing kook in a college class who sits in the back row with their ruminations. And she attacks the news site Daily Caller. She attacks it as a white supremacist site. This is what I mean. She's just a dope. Nasty. Hateful dope. And this is at the Mark Zuckerberg hearing. And by the way, I started watching and I had to shut it off. I'm not the greatest fan of these various social sites. But I'm not an enemy of them either. I think this is the way we get around much of the... uh, the Democrat Party media, as a matter of fact. So you take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that's just the way it is. Uh, but I don't think Zuckerberg des- deserves to be chewed up and spit out by Democrats and Republicans sitting in there. Who the hell do they think they are? They're federal politicians. It's just my opinion. I'm sure many of you disagree with me, but no. Who do they think they are? Think they can run everything? They can't run anything. They're running multi-trillion dollar debt. A multi-trillion dollar debt. Over, over a quarter of a trillion dollars, including unfunded liabilities. They don't know how to run a damn thing. They don't even know how to run a uh, hearing. 
but they know how to run something they didn't create, like Facebook. Say what you will about this guy, Zuckerberg. I've never met him. I don't know him. I'm not part of the dinner crowd with him. None of this stuff. Doesn't matter to me. I'm just looking at it from the outside. This guy created something. Say what you want. Think what you want. But these hack politicians, all they create is debt. Anyway, here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Cut 16, go. Can you explain why you've named The Daily Caller, a publication white, uh, well-documented with ties to white supremacists as an official... Ties to... Why, can you, can you uh, tell me uh, why you named The Daily Caller a uh, well-documented with its ties to white supremacists as a fact-checker for Facebook? Ties with white supremacists? That would be your party, pal. That would be the Democrat Party. That is a long history of promoting slavery and segregation and ties to the Klan and neo-Nazis and white supremacists. That's your party. And not just white supremacists either. Radicals on the left. But this is what we get from Ocasio-Cortez. We're going to slander uh, different organizations here. All right, go ahead. Facebook. Congresswoman, sure. We actually don't appoint the independent fact-checkers. They go through an independent organization called the Independent Fact-Checking Network that has a rigorous standard for who they allow to, uh, to serve as a fact-checker. So you would say that white supremacist tied uh, publications... Meet All right, let's say she doesn't even know what the Daily Caller is. It's not a publication. It's a website. Somebody whispered this in her ear and she repeated it like a dummy. This is why this clown will not appear on this program, will not appear on Levin TV, will not appear on Life, Liberty, and Levin. None of it. Because she doesn't want to be challenged. I don't mean shouted down. I mean civilly, legitimately challenged. She's a moron. A moron. Go ahead. For fact-checking. Thank you. Uh, Congresswoman, I would say that we're not the one assessing... When I'm getting a little tired of this word, Mr. Producer, congresswoman or congressman. Are we supposed to get rid of that stuff? Aren't people identified by what's between their ears and not what's between their legs? I thought that was the deal. Isn't it, Mr. Producer? I mean, in the Canada Airlines, you're not allowed to say, ladies and gentlemen, just say, hey, people, people, sit down and shut up. Put your seatbelts on. Not ladies and gentlemen. Because some people may not identify as either a lady or a gentleman. That is, a man or a woman. Or they might be in the middle of transitioning. And of course, our entire society must be focused on that. People who have outies who want innies. People have innies who want outies. People have innies and want outies and innies. People innies and outies. What they do with their innies. Oh yeah, the entire society must be focused on this. We must rearrange our culture. And 400... 12 trillion years of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of whatever. So, um, what's this congresswoman? Now, Richie, you, you're Puerto Rican heritage, isn't that correct, my Mr. Call Screener? Yes, sir. We're not allowed to say Latino anymore, right? You're a Latinx, right? That's right. They say Latinx is what we're supposed to be called. Latinx or Latinx? I believe the term is Latinx, but I, Latinx has a pretty cool sound to it. It does. It's like Malcolm X, but you're Latinx. So why don't we call them Congress X? She should be Congress X, not Congressman, not Congresswoman, because we don't identify based on their genitalia. 
If I'm ever subpoenaed to testify before Congress, I'm going to say, no, I'm not calling you a congressman or a congresswoman. You're a Congress X. I don't want you to offend my sensibilities. Plus, as you well know, it's the official position of the Federal Department of Education, or was under Obama, that we do not identify people based on their genitalia. And besides, I don't know what your actual genitalia is. Never seen it and don't want to see it. Hence, Congress X. Congress X's rather than Congress people persons. Maybe they don't even identify as people or persons. Which brings me to Al Green. You know, I used to love Al Green, the singer. Damn good singer. But then this schmo, this congressman, excuse me, Congress X. Congress X, Al Green to Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, the guy sitting there, this Zuckerberg, he must be saying to himself... Please, get me the hell out of here. Or at least, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, if you're going to attack me, at least pour me a drink. Do something. She was a bartender, after all. Do something. Now I got this Al Green. Al Green. All right, Al Green. Cut 17, go. Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community? All right, wait, 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 wait. What's the plus now? What the hell's going on? Did I miss something yesterday? Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community? I'm sorry, we're turning into a freak show. I'm sorry if I'm offending people. I can't help it anymore. I don't even know what all this means. LG, are there any members of the LGB? Now, B is bisexual. We have special rights for people who are bisexual. What the hell's that all about? That's perverse. Yes, I said it. Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community? Is it plus like clothing you wear? Plus size, you know, like you're fat or something and they don't want to say you're fat, so it's plus? Or what does that mean? Mr. Mr. Producer, you're hip. You're a young guy. What does that mean? Any members of the LGBTQ plus community? Go ahead, start from the top. Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community associated with this association, Mr. Zuckerberg? This association? You mean his company? Are there any members of the LGBTQ plus community associated with your association? Oh, you mean Facebook. Now let's just stop a second. How would you know? How would you know? Is everybody hard? You say, are you a lesbian? What? Oh, plus is other identities. A plethora of identities. I see. Uh, do you ask people in advance, are you a lesbian? No. Are you gay? Are you bisexual? Are you transitioning? What's the cue? I don't even want to say it. Is it what I think it is? Oh, Questioning. So questioning plus a plethora of, uh, plethora of uh, uh, whatever. That's why I, I live in my own culture. I really do. I live in my own culture. I don't want to be part of this culture. I can't take it anymore. But listen to the stupidity of the question. You're not allowed to ask people in advance, nor should you, about their sex, about their genitalia, about what they do with their genitalia, who they do it with, how many times. They, you, you, are there any members uh, 
the LGBTQ plus community. Go ahead. I, I don't know the answer. Who, conf- uh, who acknowledge? There are many people who acknowledge that they are a part of the community. What Sorry, the hell? Are, what many people have acknowledged they're part of the community? What are you talking about? Go ahead. No. Mr. Zuckerberg, is it true that the overwhelming majority of persons associated with this endeavor are white men? What endeavor? Face. <laughs> Mr. Zuckerberg, isn't it true that white men can be part of the LGBTQ plus community? What does race have to do with genitalia? You get my point, Mr. Producer? Overwhelmingly white. Are they overwhelmingly white? Probably. Uh, you may not know this, uh, Congressman, but the majority in this country is white. I just wanted to point that out. Why don't you look around you in the United States Congress? Matter of fact, why don't you look at the Senate and all the Democrats there? Is there a single African-American who's a Democrat in the Senate? I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. Tim Scott's a Republican. He's from South Carolina. But you see, this is why they would never let me testify. I would say, I don't know, Congressman. How many members of the LGBTQ plus community are members of Congress? What? I asked you, Congressman. How many members of Congress are part of the LGBTQ plus community? Now, we know of at least one, right, Mr. Producer? That would be that Congresswoman Hill from Irvine, California. Apparently, she was married and was having an affair with a female staffer. I guess that counts as a B, right? That's B of the LGBTQ plus community. I'm sure there's some L's and G's there. Probably no T's. Q's, questioners, probably a lot of those. I'm not 100% sure. But why? Why Congressman Al Green or the vast majority of people associated with the endeavor we call the United States Senate white? As a matter of fact... Congressman Al Green, why are the vast majority of senators who are Democrats white men? Go ahead. Uh, Congressman, I I don't know off the top of my head the list of the people who are running the organizations in in the, the association. Well, then you obviously must be a bigot. Being a white male yourself, you probably even read the Daily Caller news website from time to time. Perhaps you're a white supremacist. How is it possible that you don't know the genitalia identification and genitalia activity of your employees? How is it possible that you haven't done a head count to figure out how many people in your endeavor are white men? I'll be right back. in. Kind of interesting. LGBTQ plus community. I can't imagine that these various communities within communities agree with each other on everything in terms of uh, sexuality and so forth. I mean, I'm, I'm quite serious about this. I can't imagine that the gay community generally has much in common with the transitioning community. 
<coughs> excuse me. And I, I, again, I'm, I'm not that familiar with all this. But at the same time, when I hear people say LGBTQ, and I hadn't heard plus before, but LGBTQ, now plus community, they speak as if it's one community. I don't think it is one community. That's number one. Number two, I mostly hear straight people use these letters. I didn't say exclusively. But when I hear guys like Al Green and so forth, LGBTQ plus community. Anyway, for what it's worth, which isn't must, because I don't know much about it. We'll move on. I'll be right back. Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. Recently, over 100 million people had their personal information stolen in a major data breach. Social security numbers, contact details, credit scores, and more. All taken from Capital One customers. There's a good chance you were affected. These kinds of attacks are getting more frequent and more severe. It's not just Capital One. Equifax, Facebook, eBay, Uber, PlayStation, Yahoo have all leaked passwords, credit cards, bank numbers belonging to billions of users. I never go online now without ExpressVPN. If you care about your privacy, your safety, your finances, you shouldn't either. ExpressVPN connects with just one click. It's lightning fast. It costs less than seven bucks a month, and I believe it's the best of its kind. Use my special link, expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark. Use it now to arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Protect yourselves. Government can't do it. You do it. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash mark. I want to give you a perfect example of a leftist dressed up as a journalist, in my humble opinion, just based on the evidence in this article. Yahoo News, David Knowles. President Trump knew in advance and approved of the plan for a contingent of uh, Republican House members to disrupt the House impeachment inquiry Wednesday, according to Bloomberg News. Now listen how loaded this sentence is. Trump knew in advance and approved of the plan. It didn't mean he approved it. He thought it was a good idea. Great. For a contingent of Republican House members to disrupt the House impeachment inquiry. It's not a House impeachment inquiry. There's no formal impeachment inquiry. It is a secret star chamber in the basement of the Capitol building called a skiff. And you would think this so-called reporter... David Knowles would want to be present there and would want to be reporting on what's going on in that secret star chamber, but instead he's attacking the Republicans who want to get in there and find out what's going on because they have constituents too. They're representatives too. About two dozen lawmakers stormed the secure hearing room. They didn't storm anything, ladies and gentlemen. They walked in. Disrupting the closed-door testimony of a Pentagon official disrupting the closed-door testimony. 
He goes on, chanting, let us in, let us in. The members of the Conservative Freedom Caucus then entered a restricted area in the sensitive compartmented information facilities. Restricted from whom? They're members of Congress. Where the interviews with witnesses have been conducted. Some appeared to carry cell phones into the room in violation of security protocols. Security protocols? How about impeachment protocols? This is, again, a leftist, in my view, dressed up as a journalist. David Knowles. Let's continue. The chaotic scene unfolded one day after William Taylor, the senior U.S. diplomat to Ukraine, listen to this, delivered damning testimony. This so-called reporter has no idea what his testimony (coughs) was. He has the opening statement and whatever has been leaked by the Democrats. He doesn't have access to the damning testimony. Goes on, detailing how the president had linked the release of U.S. military aid to Ukraine to public assurances that President Zelensky would launch an investigation into Trump's political rival, former Vice President Joe Biden. This is a lie. Biden's name is mentioned once in the opening statement. And this witness, quote-unquote, had no first-hand information of anything of the sort. So if you're not following this stuff, or you haven't read Unfreedom of the Press and you don't know how to unravel this, and you see how I'd unravel every damn sentence of this propaganda, you'd believe all this crap from David Knowles. And David Knowles, if you disagree with me, please feel free to call in. 877-3813, what the hell is it? 3811. This is reporting, you see. Unbelievable. That goes on. While a key administration (coughs) talking point has been that the Democrats are conducting their impeachment inquiry in secret, Republicans sit on all three of the committees involved in the investigation and have attended each of the sessions. Now listen to this guy. He's supposed to be a reporter, right? When Republicans controlled the House, they conducted closed-door interviews with witnesses in their three-year investigation into the terror attack that killed four Americans in Benghazi. That's because parts of it were classified. None of this is classified. And why are you, Mr. Reporter, writing about Benghazi and what Republicans did? As opposed to what's taking place here, which is a a faux impeachment process. Incredible, isn't it? There's your media. Perfect example. David Knowles. Let's see, is that right? David Knowles over at the uh, uh, Yahoo News. Yahoo is a good name for that. Yahoo is the word. Yahoo News. Now, uh, sore topic with many of you. Syria. I'm no fan of what was done in Syria. I'm no fan of the fact that Turkey got everything they wanted, a 75-mile so-called buffer zone that they took for themselves. Over 400,000 Kurds having to move. Move where? I don't know. They had towns and homes too. There's no way they could have expected this to happen to them. Now Russia has moved into this area. Russia has a massive foothold now in Syria. And some of you say, well, what do we care? One day you will care. 
You don't see it now, but one day you will care. Iran, Syria, Russia, Turkey. Essentially have gotten what they want. Essentially have gotten what they want. That's not good. And now this headline from the Times of Israel. Israel said bracing for direct cruise missile or drone attack by Iran. So it's going to become much, much more difficult for our allies in the Middle East. The Israelis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the Bahrainians, Saudis, you name it. Israel is readying for a direct cruise missile or drone strike from Tehran in response to recent attacks on Iranian regional proxies, which have been attributed to the Jewish state, Army Radio reported this evening. Unlike ballistic missiles, which usually fly through a high arc on the way to the target, cruise missiles and drones fly to low altitude, making them harder to detect. The report cited anonymous Israeli sources who said the IDF was already on high alert for the possibility and that the security cabinet will convene for an unplanned meeting next Tuesday against a backdrop of tensions with the Islamic Republic. This would be the second time this month that the high-level security cabinet has convened. So you can see that this has created an enormous disruption. And by the way, on top of that, you have Elizabeth Warren now who is saying either the Israelis agree to a two-state solution with Hamas slash Fatah, two terrorist organizations that control the Palestinian areas. In other words, agree to suicide. Two-state solution is a final solution for Israel. Just look at the Gaza Strip. Or she's going to uh, withhold American support. Just what the Iranians need to hear. Buttigieg said essentially the same thing. Bernie Sanders has said essentially the same thing. The Democrat Party now is largely anti-Israel, except for a few, uh, a few Democrats in the Senate and the House who pretend to be pro-Israel. They're also, the Democrat Party is the party of anti-Semitism. We know this with Talib and Omar. And of course, Ayach. We know this for a fact now. I can't explain liberals who are Jewish and how they vote for and with these people, but that's what they do. It's like liberals who vote for, it's like Catholics who vote for Catholics who support uh, infanticide. I don't get that either. But that is what it is, and it's the way it goes, and it's too damn bad. All right. Let's take some calls. We have a full board, don't we? Let's see. Let us go to Danny. Dover, Delaware, the great WCBM listening out of Baltimore, I guess. Go right ahead. Mark, it's a great honor to talk with you this evening. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Mark, I, uh, I hear you and Rush Limbaugh getting upset about uh, uh, what the Democrats are doing with this impeachment inquiry and uh, that we need to... I can't back. speak for my friend Rush. I don't get to hear these shows much anymore because I do live in TV in the afternoons. But anyway, go ahead. I listen to both of you at every chance that I can. Thank and I you. think we need to start pushing back by playing by their own rules. And, and what I mean is this. Number one, we... Uh, rule number one is we follow the congressman from Florida's advice, which is when he said impeachment is whatever we say it is. Well, we call this inquiry whatever we say it is, meaning this. 
it is not an impeachment inquiry. Uh, sir, I'm it the is. one who started. You know, it's interesting. We now hear everybody in the media talking about this, all these congressmen. This is why I go deep on these issues of impeachment and other things. I was the first one, period, to mention that Andrew Johnson, because I studied it, Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton, all the House of Representatives in all cases had a vote, full House vote uh, on an impeachment inquiry and that this was illegitimate. I was the one who dug up the October 7, 1998 document, read it on TV, read it on radio, exactly what these uh, other parties did, whether it was the Democrats on Nixon or the Republicans on Clinton, what these committees did, I read it. I also said this is not an impeachment inquiry legitimate. It is a Democrat party silent coup. And so these phrases get bandied about now, and then they never come back full circle. And then I get people who tell me what we ought to call these things. But anyway, go ahead, Danny. So why don't we call this what I think it is, which is when the, when the Russians were accused of tampering with our election in 2015 and 16, why don't we call it out for what it is? This is election tampering by the Democrat Party, and we need to investigate it. So to investigate it, they insisted that we assign a special counsel with Robert Mueller to investigate the Russian tampering and collusion. So why can't we assign a special counsel to investigate election tampering by this Democrat Party and investigate? We don't give him a very specific uh, ideal to go after. We just call it corruption and election tampering, and we let him go nuts, and we hire a pit bull uh, whether All right, sir, but we kind of have. We've got Durham from uh, Connecticut. He's investigating now. We have the Attorney General of the United States. He's investigating now. And given their backgrounds, I don't think we need a special counsel. And they are, as we know, they have, they have traveled overseas. They're being attacked. They're being brutalized by the Democrats and the media. So effectively, that's being done. They're looting in the 2016. If you're saying that what the Democrats are doing in the House needs to be investigated as election tampering. There is absolutely no basis to have a criminal investigation of that. Uh, instead, what needs to be done and where the focus really needs to be is on the United States Senate, because that's the only body now that can police what's happening in the House. But I thank you for your call. Now, here's the bad news about that quickly, because we're running out of time. Josh Krashar has written, he's a, a reporter of sorts, at a hotline, I guess, it's getting to be a harder choice for more people. Whether that's enough for enough senators to take decisive action, every single move has been in the wrong direction for this guy, Trump. In other words, they have a source with McConnell, or close to McConnell, in the Senate who is saying it's harder and harder to defend Trump because he's saying things and doing things that are turning off some of these Republican senators. And so uh, uh, it, it might be difficult to take decisive action quickly when this matter comes to the Senate. That's where our focus needs to be. We can have pipe dreams about a special counsel. That's not going to happen. They're not going to investigate the House of Representatives or the Democrats in the House. But this matter will wind up, will wind up in the United States Senate. He, sp he spoke to a GOP source close to McConnell, he says, on the politics of impeachment. This is shaping up to be a very dark moment for the Trump White House. So already they're throwing the Trump White House under the bus. They're throwing the president under the bus, and you're going to see cowards. You're going to see people joining Romney, who is a reprobate and a chameleon of, of, uh, of longstanding. And this is the problem. So focus your political fire on the United States Senate. That's the problem, or potentially so. I'll be right back. 
Mark Lupin. These shows go way too fast, at least for me. Way too fast. By the way, I'll be on Hannity TV on Fox tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Been telling you about Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats' plan to socialize medicine and how they would impose government cost controls at the expense of high-quality health care. Well, it's, it's reality now. They're on the move. Pelosi's bill may prevent you and your family from having access to the latest and most effective drug therapies available anywhere on the face of the earth. In fact, according to the Congressional Budget Office, which scores proposed legislation like the Pelosi plan, new breakthrough medicines may never be discovered at all. The project that the Pelosi plan would reduce research and and, uh, development investments towards new treatments and cures. Now, we're not surprised. We've been talking about this for some time. When you impose drug price controls and punish private innovators with massive 95% tax penalties applied retroactively, you eliminate the financial ability to invest in critically needed research and development. And with it, the incentives to discover new treatments for cancer, new cures for other crushing diseases. I'll give you an example. If Nancy Pelosi told you to work at a government-dictated salary for far lower than even your cost of living, and then pay 95% of it in new taxes from the prior year, retroactively, would you run out and buy a new car? No, you'd go broke. This is nuts. This is nuts. It'll kill the most magnificent, innovative drug therapies that any country creates. So get the facts, folks. Go to, two, go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. We've got a lot of very, very important information there for you. Truehealthcarefacts.com. Now's the time. Let's go to Jacob, Birmingham, Alabama, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, please. Go ahead, Hi, Jacob. Yes, Mark. It's good to hear you, sir. Thank uh, you. On a cell phone tonight, so I really upset about the so-called hearings that the Democrats are conducting underground. That they were an open door. The Democrats say we're supposed to be everything open, open policy and transparent government and all that. And uh, it's quite the opposite. When they say a transparent government, they mean non-transparent. That's a, that's a code word, I guess, for non-transparency. When they say transparent government. It's just very upsetting. And I can't imagine if the Republicans would do the same exact thing. The news media would just go bonkers. Is, isn't it amazing how disinterested the media are in this uh, secrecy? Yes. And the, isn't it amazing how they basically take dictation when Schiff and the Democrats leak information to them and then put it in headlines? Because mm-hmm. they want to believe. Because they're working with the Democrats and vice versa. The, the media have been pushing impeachment even before the formal Democrat institutions of the, of the Democrat Party. The media have been pushing this. All right, Jacob, I want to thank you for your call. Matter of fact, we had a lot of wonderful calls tonight. I hope you come away from this program with a lot of additional information. That's the goal. And enjoy it, too. All right, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you folks who are protecting us. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow right here. Don't miss the program. God bless you. Be well.
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.